the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Church is not something that we do if there's not something else happening. It's not something that we fit into our busy schedule. If we have a free Sunday morning or a free Thursday night, we'll go. If there's not a game or not a practice or whatever it may be, we'll be there. As parents, we should ingrain in our children the habit of going to church every week. It should just be a first priority in our families. Worshiping and fellowshipping together with the body of Christ in a church setting is so valuable. Today, Pastor Dan will provide more context on why respecting a Sabbath day is still important to believers. As parents, it is our responsibility to build habits and create a culture of consistency when it comes to this. Those who have experienced the blessing of a church family can attest to God's wisdom when he included this in the Ten Commandments. Are you prioritizing corporate fellowship in your life? Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Exodus chapter 20 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Life is filled with urgent things that demand your time, demand your attention, demand your energy. Don't allow those urgent things to crowd out your relationship with the Lord. Protect your Sabbath rest, no matter how urgent the need may be. Protect it. Turn over to chapter 35, the very next chapter. Look at verse 1. Then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Look at verse 3. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Day, He says, I don't even want you starting a fire on the Sabbath day in your dwelling place. Now, why would they do that? To cook a meal. So what if it said here, don't turn on your oven on the Sabbath. I don't want you turning on the stove on the Sabbath day. Again, the command is get all of your work finished in six days so you can just rest and worship on this one day and not do anything else. And that includes preparing the meals the day before so you don't have to think about preparing a meal on the Sabbath day. Get it prepared the day before so you don't have to cook on the Sabbath. Well, you know, everyone else in the house is resting on the Sabbath, but mom is in the kitchen 
preparing a meal and it's not a day of rest for her while everybody else is sitting and watching the game or whatever. Do you see what he's saying here? To the children of Israel who are reading this when it's written, don't start a fire. Well, how am I going to cook lunch on the Sabbath? What are we going to do for dinner? That's the point. God is saying, I don't even want you cooking a meal. Do that in six days. On the seventh day, you've got to keep it holy. You've got to protect it. You've got to guard it because quickly you can start working and it can, and, and it can be stressful and there's nothing restful or worshipful about it. And you lose the whole purpose of it. In Israel today, uh, the Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday evening. So what happens is on Friday afternoon... Businesses begin to close down around 2 p.m. So that people can get their last-minute errands and last-minute shopping finished. So they can have all of the work finished before the start of the Sabbath. So everything closes down a few hours early and people will quickly go to the market or whatever they need to do so that they can be home in time for the Sabbath. And what they will do is the people will make a big meal before the Sabbath begins, like in a crock pot, so they can eat that meal all day long on the Sabbath. They'll make sandwiches. They have it just, it's all prepared. It's all ready so that on the Sabbath day we can just rest. We don't have anything to do. You know, mom doesn't need to cook dinner. It's already cooked. And it's, everything is just prepared the day before. So everybody can just rest on the Sabbath day. And then what they'll typically do is once the Sabbath begins at sundown, you'll see them. They'll all walk to the synagogue. The synagogue's usually in their neighborhood. And they'll all walk together. These big families where you've got grandparents and aunts and uncles and neighbors and small children and old people. Everybody's walking through the neighborhood. They're going to their synagogue. Usually they're singing songs, worship songs, as they're going. They go to church. They go to the worship service, you know, at the synagogue. And then they all go back home. And just rest and enjoy each other's company. Or they're all sit outside on the steps and talk and, and the kids are there and they're talking and the old people are talking with each other. And the younger people are talking and the teenagers are together and everybody's just there and there's food and you can go get some food when you're ready. Just make yourself a bowl and, uh, and, and other people that can afford it, they'll check into a hotel with your whole family, your whole extended family and and cousins and nephews and nieces and uncles and aunts and neighbors and everybody checks into a hotel together and have different rooms of course and then you you eat in the dining room in the hotel and while they're sitting in the dining room everybody's singing or some of the older men will get up and they'll share scripture and read scripture read a prayer and you'll see the older men going over to the table with the teenagers and talking to them and sharing scripture with them and somebody will break forth in song over here and somebody will break forth in song over there And it's just a time of rest. A time of worship. Nobody's pulling their hair out trying to get dinner on the table. Nobody's got errands to run. Just enjoying the day together. Being refreshed. Physically. And spiritually. This is a good thing. It's good for the soul. And it's good to have this pattern in your week. To figure it out. And it's not always easy to figure out. How do I carve out a day? Just a day. Where we just, we just don't really do anything other than rest and go to church and just spend time together. Again, I think it's a good thing. 
just setting aside Sunday, if that's the day, just for the Lord. We're just going to rest. We're just going to worship. We're just going to spend the day together as a family or spend the day together with our, our friends. And, and so that means, though, I'm going to have to work really hard to get everything finished by Saturday night, get all of my work finished, all my responsibilities, all my errands, all my running around, all my homework, so that I'm just free mentally to come to church on Sunday morning and worship and listen and be fed and enjoy fellowship and minister to others and spend time with friends and spend time with family, maybe take a nap Sunday afternoon, maybe go for a walk. And I don't need to rush out after church is over to get to a game. I don't need to rush out to get to the grocery store or get to Home Depot. I can just go home and spend time with my family. I'm not going to answer emails. Got nothing to do but rest and worship and worship and rest. Now, to pull that off, you probably have to rethink your Saturday. And probably your Friday, too. And maybe your Thursday. That's the point that he's making here. Get all your work done in six days. Remember the Sabbath. You got a Sabbath coming up on a Sunday. And it's Thursday. Or when it's Monday, I've got a Sabbath on Sunday. How do I get everything done by Saturday night? So I can just enjoy that Sabbath and be free. So you may have to rethink your whole week. To build in a Sabbath day and to keep it holy, keep it set apart, keep it guarded and protected from the tyranny of the urgent in your life. And here is God, the great physician, saying to you and saying to me, I just want you to take one day out of seven to just care for your soul. Just nourish your soul. Just rest. To worship. Be fed spiritually. And look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, he says, But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, and in it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gate. Verse 10 gives a commandment specifically to parents. Parents are commanded here in verse 10 to make sure their sons and daughters, their children have this same commitment to set apart a day for rest and worship. And I think one of the best things a parent can instill in their children is a commitment to church, a commitment to worshiping Jesus Christ and to establish the pattern and the habit of, For the entire family. That we go to church on Sundays. And we go to church on Thursday night. This is the priority for our family. It's not something we squeeze in if we can. If we don't have anything else going on. Church is not something that we do if there's not something else happening. It's not something that we fit into our busy schedule. If we have a free Sunday morning or a free Thursday night, we'll go. If there's not a game or not a practice or whatever it may be, we'll be there. 
As parents, we should ingrain in our children the habit of going to church every week. It should just be a first priority in our families. We seek first the kingdom of God. We make Jesus Christ preeminent in our family above everything else. Everything else takes a back seat to Jesus Christ and worshiping him. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, and if you have to say to your kids, well, this is just what we do. We're sextons and sextons go to church. You know, we go to church when we're on vacation. We don't take a vacation from Jesus Christ, from worshiping him. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. Again, one of the most important habits you can pass on to your children is the routine of going to church every week and making worship the priority of your family. And if you're thinking, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, that's true. But you do have to go to church if you want to be a strong Christian. And if you want to be a healthy Christian. You can't experience body life if you don't come to church and spend time around the body of Christ. And watching church online is no substitute for going in person. You know, David writes in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David was glad to go into the house of the Lord, and we should be too. Glad to be in God's house with God's people, studying God's word together. Look at verse 10 again. Not only is this commandment to parents, but he says, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. And what he says here about servants, we can apply to employees. So if you're a business owner, make sure your employees are off from work to go to church. I think of companies like Chick-fil-A that have just made the decision to stay closed on Sundays so that their employees can have rest and worship. They honor the Lord. You can't put a price on that. Now, The reason for this pattern of working six days, resting one day, working six days, resting one day, the reason for it is explained to us in verse 11. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and then rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And so this pattern of working six days, then resting a day, it comes from the creation account In the book of Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them in six days. And then God rested on the seventh day. Now, when it says God rested on the seventh day, it doesn't mean that God was tired 
from creating or that he was exhausted from working six days in a row. No, it, it simply means that God ceased creating. He stopped creating. God doesn't get tired. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He gives us strength. So he, he just ceased from creating. And if you remember the creation story, after he created man, he ceased. He stopped. Man is the pinnacle of God's creation. And God created man in his own image. And God created man to have fellowship with him. And so once God created man, he ceased. And man's first day of life, Adam's first day of life on the earth was spent in fellowship with God. Think about that. Just spending the day with the Lord. And so mankind is commanded now to follow the same pattern of creation, work six days, then rest and worship the Lord. Just enjoy fellowship with the Lord. And by the way, this concept of a of a seven day week, it comes from the creation account in Genesis. If you've ever wondered, why do we have a seven day week, not a 10 day week or or a three day week? It comes from Genesis. From the creation account in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, the, the monthly calendar, that, that's a lunar calendar, it comes from the phases of the moon. But the seven day week comes from the Bible. And for you real Bible nerds, Daniel chapter 7, verse 25 says that the Antichrist, when he comes, he's going to change the times, right? It doesn't tell us how he's going to change the times or what he's going to change, but it could be he's going to change the week and change it from a seven-day week to some other number of days in the week because the seven-day week points back to God as the creator and the creation account in Genesis. So he's going to change the times. Now, couple other things and we're almost finished here, I promise. The six days of creation in the book of Genesis that are referred to here in verse 11, those six days of creation can only refer to six 24-hour days. They cannot refer to ages of millions of years or billions of years. In the Genesis account, the days are defined for us as normal 24-hour days. For example, Genesis 1-5 says, So the evening and morning were the first day. And it does that for each day. The evening and the morning were the second day. Evening and the morning were the third day. And so Genesis tells us what is meant by a day. When it says a day, it means an evening and a morning. That's a day. It's a 24-hour day. So you have six 24-hour days of creation, normal 24-hour days. I point that out because there is a teaching that is very popular in churches today that's called the day-age theory, that each day of creation represents an age of millions or billions of years and not a literal 24-hour day. And people promote that teaching to try to accommodate evolution. And say, well, yeah, it could stand for an age, and, and so you could have the evolutionary process in those billions of years. But that's a false teaching. The day in Genesis can only refer to a 24-hour day. Another false teaching is what is known as the gap theory. That there's a gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 of millions or billions of years. Look at what verse 11 says. Verse 11 says, God made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. See that word all? In six days. 
And so everything was created in six literal 24 hour days, not millions and billions of years. The gap theory, the day age theory, they don't fit with the scriptures. They were actually invented by liberal theologians to try to accommodate evolutionary theory because evolution was gaining in popularity in the world in the 1800s. And so you had these liberal pastors and liberal theologians who tried to make the Bible agree with what was popular in the day and what was the popular opinion in the culture, but the Bible doesn't agree. You can't stretch the scriptures to try to accommodate evolution. Evolution and the Bible are in conflict. And they both can't be right. They can't be right. One of them's wrong. And what happened is you had liberal theologians who were trying to stretch the scriptures to make accommodation for evolution. And it's always dangerous to attempt to stretch the scriptures to accommodate popular culture or popular opinion or what Paul calls human philosophy. The Bible is the, is the word of God. The Bible is the authority. And so we want to submit our opinion under the word of God. We never want to submit the word of God under our opinion. Never. And the, and the same thing's going on in churches today with gender and sexuality and marriage being redefined. They're doing the exact same thing. Redefining words to accommodate popular culture. And, and that's exactly what happened. And that's why you have these theories of just trying to accommodate what scientists were saying in the 1800s. Let me ask you a question. Uh, can you think of an occasion when scientists have ever been wrong about something? The Bible is never wrong. So just in closing here. Again, I don't believe that the Sabbath is part of the new covenant. But I will say It is good to follow a pattern of setting aside a day each week for rest and worship and then to guard that day and protect that day from the busyness of life and to be thinking about it ahead of time, to put forethought and planning into it so that you can protect that day that you have set aside for rest and for worship and for worship and for rest. And then finally, I would say in Hebrews chapter 4, it tells us that Jesus Christ is our rest. He's our Sabbath. Right? And so we rest in him. We rest in his finished work on the cross. That he died for us on the cross and he paid for all of our sins. And he has reconciled us to the Father. And there's nothing more that we need to do or have to do to earn forgiveness or earn salvation. And so we just rest in his finished work. And Jesus tells us if we are burdened, if we are weary, to come to him. And he promises to give us rest. So he has completed the work for us. And then he invites us to come to him for rest for our weary soul. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our Sabbath, that you've provided rest for us. Lord, that you've provided uh, rest for our soul. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to bring our burdens to you and cast our cares upon you. And Lord, I, I pray for anybody here, Lord, that's just burdened. They would bring their cares to you and you would take them from that person.
give them rest. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. Thank you for making Ring of Truth a part of your day today. Tuning out the world and tuning into Scripture gives life a whole new meaning. While the Word of God may feel like a whole bunch of do's and don'ts, it also offers love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that only Jesus can give. Pastor Dan Sexton has been teaching through a series that ultimately sets parameters and safeguards for those who choose to follow Jesus. Did we pique your curiosity? We hope so. If you'd like to hear more from Pastor Dan Sexton, please visit our website, calvaryec.com. There are loads more messages for you to listen to. Find out more about Ring of Truth and the church behind it while you're there. The About tab at the top of the page will fill you in. If you enjoy connecting through social media, then don't forget about our podcast. It can be found on iTunes as well. In addition, you can find us on Facebook. Are you a part of a church? If not, we invite you to join ours. Sunday service times can be found at calvaryec.com. We'd love to meet you and worship Jesus together. Our live stream is available for those of you not close enough to attend in person. We believe that time spent in God's Word is time well spent. There are numerous other ways to get involved with what's happening here at Ring of Truth, such as, well, why don't you just see for yourself? Under the Serve tab at calvaryec.com. We're out of time for today, but thanks for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice. And it only takes willingness and a conscious choice. You need not guess there's a ring of truth that is unmistakable. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.